Welcome to Streaming Thoughts, where we stream our thoughts in movies, TV, and all things nerdy. I am Daniel. And I am Nathan. And welcome to our podcast. So Nathan, what is in the news docket today? Well, we have been talking a lot about the streaming wars that are coming up. Everyone is trying to establish their streaming platform is going to become a battle for subscribers, and we're not really sure who's going to come out on top in the end. Yeah, we really don't. I mean, at this point, we have so many players... You know, we have NBC, we have Warner Brothers with HBO, right? We have Disney Plus, Hulu, and we can go on and name plenty more. In, we didn't even mention Netflix in there. Yeah. It's a lot of money to spend. To add into it, DC Comics is trying to relaunch and rebrand a streaming platform for their comic books. DC Universe Infinite. DC Universe Infinite. And that is for, I'm assuming, animated productions? Well... Some people are wondering if they're going to add in some of their animated features, but it's like mm-hmm. they're trying to capture the streaming platform, but with like their comic book titles. So no longer going to a comic book store to pick up your weekly pull list. Just get it from their streaming platform. So is it for you to read comics then? Yeah. Full length graphic novels and Vertigo, DC Black Label, Milestone Media titles, just all of their different things. And it actually sounds like some of their comics might actually be exclusive to the service. Of course, they have to, right? I mean, otherwise, there's no incentive to jump into that streaming platform. But that is so weird. I know that there's been apps or specific services that provide access to comic books online. Yeah, Marvel tried to do it a while back, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, with not much success. This seems like a more cohesive, stronger approach to it than Marvel did. It's like, Marvel had like, oh, some titles you can buy individually from here. There's some titles we'll give you for free on here. There was not a whole lot of consistency. But they didn't really have a idea of a streaming platform of all of our titles, both old and new and exclusives and all this other stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, if you think about that subscription-based is really taken on, right? I mean, I think that for comics, it makes a lot of sense, especially with DC having such a gigantic library. Do we know what the what the pricing for this is? Not yet. It is set to be relaunched later this year. Mm-hmm. Some of the pricing and details are, I mean, of course, they're going to have probably exclusive deals. If you sign up with HBO Max, you're probably going to get some sort of discount or just various things like that is to be expected. But those deals haven't been worked out yet. What do you think their pricing is going to be? I don't know. I mean, some people who have pulled this spend a lot of money on comics. So on that point, it's like yeah. to replace paper comics with a digital format, you would think they would need to have a fairly high amount. But then again, DC, as we previously talked about, cut ties with a distributor. So I kind of wonder if that has any play on it as well. That's true, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to cost more than $10 a month, you know? Like, I'm, I'm really curious to see if it's going to be a $14.99 or something like that, right? Where a month and you get access to all of these comics. Yeah, I mean, it could be interesting if it's cheap enough. I mean, to be honest, they're looking at basically what Disney is doing, right? I mean, with Disney Plus. Yeah. I mean, think about that vault and archive of Disney properties that we have access to now, right? And and occasionally releasing movies that haven't been seen in a while. Yeah, exactly. Out of the quote Disney vault. Tangent to Disney Plus, CBS All Access is going to go away. Really? Yes. Huh. Because they are relaunching and rebranding as Paramount Plus. Oh my god. <laughs> 
That's not influence at all, huh? No. Who could they be copying, I wonder? Right? Oh, uh, So, Paramount Plus. That is... I mean, come on. I was wondering if you were going to say that CBS All Access is now gone forever. Nope. I mean, CBS All Access has been out for about six years now. Yeah. I thought that they were going to give or sell some of their properties to other studios or something. That's what I thought you were going to say. But no, that re- this rebranding, I mean, I don't know. I guess if you're looking to include other Paramount properties, then yeah. That is a big aspect because it's more than just the streaming of the CBS properties. This is going to open up the door for more of the Paramount properties as well to be included. So there is that aspect that they are expanding their library to become more competitive in addition to the name change. But it's just more on that we are all trying to find our place in these streaming platforms. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, what's interesting about this is that Iron Man... Iron Man 2, Thor, and Captain America, the first Avengers, are also by Paramount. So I wonder if the rights of that distribution will go specifically to Disney, or if they're going to... Try and fight over some sort of shared access to it? Exactly. That'd be interesting. Yeah, when you mentioned Paramount, I was like, I remember that some Marvel Studios films were also produced by Paramount Pictures, so yeah. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about how Jodie Whittaker was stepping down after her third year of being the Doctor. Mm -hmm. And you asked, are there any rumors? And there weren't any then, but there are now. Oh, who is the new Doctor? What are the rumors on? Whoopi Goldberg is trying to once again become the Doctor. Wait, what? (laughs) Whoopi Goldberg originally tried to approach the producers to be the first female Doctor Who. Dude, that is literally the last name. I thought you were going to (laughs) say. Obviously, that didn't play out for her, but she is now approaching the producers yet again, asking to be the first American doctor for Doctor Who. Wow. I mean, on the list of actors that were circling in my head, Whoopi Goldberg was not even in the vicinity. He wasn't even in the area. He wasn't even in the universe. (laughs) (laughs) He was was outside of that. That is so... (laughs) insane i didn't need, look i hope i hope she gets it man that'd be cool. i really want it that would be so cool i'm ready for it i would jump back in doctor who if it meant that whoopi goldberg was in there another rumor that might be a little bit more in universe expected richard aioti is rumored to replace jody whittaker oh seen him from the it crowd i may be mispronouncing his name because i'm kind of going off of how it's spelled and i don't think i've ever actually heard mm. it spoken out loud in an interview or anything like that mm-hmm. he was in two episodes of the mandalorian as zero yeah i mean he's been in a number of things a lot of voice acting work actually as well mm-hmm. he is a little bit more of a logical replacement since he is a english actor yeah but it would also mark i think the first person of color doctor oh yeah i mean look you're gonna get that anyway with Whoopi goldberg so again i'm team Whoopi on this one you're team Whoopi. all right <laughs> <laughs> And speaking about casting rumors, we have, I have two more. They are moving forward with the Willy Wonka prequel. And there are two people that they are kind of looking at to play young Willy Wonka, the eccentric chocolatier. Oh, who are they? Tom Holland or Timothy Shamalit. Oh, man. 
That is a good question, right? Who would be the better Wonka? Now, ironically, this seems to be kind of split amongst Willy Wonka fans. Yeah, I can see why. Because a lot of people think Tom Holland represents the older, the original. Gene Wilder? While other people think that Timothy Shamalit is more representative of the more recent Tim Burton, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. With Johnny Depp. Hmm. That seems to be the split over which one fans want depends on which of the two of those movies they seem to like better. Yeah, that's a really good... I mean, I'm more of the OG Willy Wonka, so... I mean, if that if that's my team, then I guess I'm Team Holland in this one. <laughs> so yeah, I like the Tim Burton version because it was more true to the novel. But at the same time, I'm thinking I'm probably still leaning towards Tom Holland as well. But also remember that the OG Willy Wonka movie was also more related and connected to Snowpiercer, which is some <laughs> one of our favorite movies too. So, <laughs> oh, Shadow sequels, I love them. <laughs> yeah. And last uh, rumored casting. Matt Damon has been seen hanging around in Australia where they are filming Thor Love and Thunder. Thor Love and Thunder, yes! (laughs) Now, for those of you who don't remember, in Thor Ragnarok... Matt Damon was a thespian of Asgard. Yes, and he, in that play, he played none other than Loki. (laughs) (laughs) So I am excited to see what kind of shenanigans they're going to get to with Matt Damon. Now, do you think it's going to be just another cameo, or do you think they're actually fleshing him out as a full Asgardian? I really hope that they flesh them out as an Asgardian. I really want to know what kind of character they come up with for that. And if it's Taika Waititi again directing, it's going to be funny. It is Taika Waititi, <laughs> so let's see where we go with that. Yeah. But following another favorite Marvel character into other properties, Netflix original recently came out with The Falcon playing the first fully autonomous soldier cyborg in a futuristic war movie, Outside the Wire. Mm -hmm. Outside the Wire, that's right. This is a Netflix original film. It was released this year, January 15th, 2021. So it is a very early release for us. Stars Anthony Mackie and Damson Igris. And it's a, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this movie. There are certain parts of this film that were actually pretty cool, but for the most part, I thought that it was trying to be something and then it eventually kind of fell flat on it. What did you think of it? Overall, the film came across to me as as trying to be a cautionary tale about our increased reliance on drones, automated systems, and robotics to fight our warfare, and the separation between the people making the decision and the actual physical impact of war in the war zones. Yeah, which... At the end, it kind of accomplished that. I just felt like the execution of, or rather the journey to get there, felt like it just wasn't strong enough, I felt, to drive the point across. I felt like it was kind of deus ex machina-esque, you know, just kind of felt that way at the end, where, you know, obviously Leo is like, this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to die. I wanted this to fail, you know? And But before that, he was arguing, like, if I kill these people, it's going to end the war or whatever. There were, like, multiple layers that they were trying to add to this film as far as Leo's intentions and ultimate goals. But I felt like at the end, when Leo 
reveals his actual true purpose of what he really wanted to do, that I felt wasn't strong enough and felt flat at the end after what had happened. I felt like it needed to have more gravitas and I just didn't feel like it did. I kind of felt with that final reveal that it came across to me that Leo was saying whether his objective failed or whether his objective succeeded, his true purpose and his true goal was going to be successful. Yeah, I guess if you look at it from that perspective, absolutely. I mean, either way, right? If he launched a missile and murdered millions of people, the program would have come to an end. And even though he was stopped, just the fact that he went rogue puts a lot of hiatus on further development of this program of saying, can we actually move forward on this? Absolutely, yeah. On the journey to get to that point, where do you want to start? I want to start with what your thoughts on the process to decide who Leo wanted to have as a partner in this whole in this whole thing and why he picked Harp. Well, let's see. Harp kind of represents the cautionary aspect that the movie is trying to tell, the cautionary tale that the movie is trying to tell, in that when you see him, he is just casually sitting behind a computer screen, controlling a drone, waiting for his orders. I think he even has like a little, you know, snack tray as he's waiting and almost like he's playing a video game. Yeah. Completely calm, completely safe, completely relaxed. While they superpose that with the people actually in the war zone, fighting for their lives, extremely scared, high action, high adrenaline. Intense. Tense moment. And the idea that they have some sort of ideology of, oh, when these drone pilots mess up, we are going to put them on the front lines to become the cautionary tale. Either they survive this interim assignment and come back understanding how dangerous it is for the people that are actually on the boots on the ground and are a lot more cautious but when they get back in the pilot seat or they die and they become a cautionary tale for other pilots to not make the same mistakes so they are not put on the front lines Mm -hmm. i can i can kind of follow that that moral program kind of makes sense to me yeah it does make sense i think it was interesting that leo specifically targeted harp right for his mission his ultimate mission because he saw in harp exactly what he needed at the time which kind of reveals more in my mind and and this is one of the parts that i felt that that they did correctly in this film is the representation of artificial intelligence to a degree right not not fully right but it it did to a degree because leo saw harp as a means to an end yeah at the end of the day i mean ultimately you figure harp represented what leo was ultimately afraid of a war without an end right if they put a full military force on the front line and remove all human emotion all human action from these decisions harp was what leo was afraid would become the warfare they sit back accepted losses accepted casualties of war and the war would never end humanity would never stop fighting absolutely but at the same time leo had a mission right leo had a goal and that goal was to end the program. Yes. And so he was willing to do whatever it took to that, right? He was willing to go so far as to launch a nuclear warhead on American soil Yep. to make that happen. And so if he was willing to do that, the way he saw Harp was more as that. The end, that was the reveal, I think, for me, that was strongest is the reveal that Leo and really just wanted to do whatever it took to get here. And he was willing to obviously 
go so far as to kill millions of people or have himself get killed by Harp. And he knew that he could count on Harp to do that after enlisting his help because Harp was that type of person that really saw the weight of of the decision, especially after all the experiences that they went through. Yeah, if, if anyone was going to understand acceptable losses, you know, sacrifice the few to save the many, it was probably going to be Harp. On top of that, Harp also served a unique opportunity because Leo could not operate without a human handler. The paradox of command. Right. Where any decision he made had to be approved by a human that was assigned to him. Right. So by bringing in Harp, who just got majorly, you know, slapped down for not following the chain of command and having Harp in that seemingly initial point where he is the subordinate, Leo made it very clear very on, no, you're my subordinate. I'm your commanding officer. Mm -hmm. You listen to me. He was able to guide and more or less force Harp to complete actions that would fit his override protocol of the humans acting irrationally. I no longer have to listen to him. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And which, again, really illustrates that whole AI mentality, right? Which is looking at humans as I need you to do this. And you are the type of person that seems that could be very easily manipulated into a situation like this. And I know exactly how to go about it to get to this point where then I can be released of any kind of human control and I can go about and do what I need to do. So again, Harp was just a piece of the puzzle for Leo. Absolutely. And again, that was one of the things I found probably the least believable in that Leo is being assigned to this top secret program while he's being reprimanded. He doesn't get any briefing as to what the top secret program is, aside from what Leo chooses to brief him when Leo chooses to brief him on the details. He didn't even know that at any time, if he thought Leo was acting irrationally or against the best interests of the United States, that he could order him to stop it and Leo would have to follow his order until it was basically too late. Right, exactly. In my mind, that was the unbelievable part, because if he's being assigned to this, you think he would have been sat down, here's your briefing, here's what Leo is, here's where you're going, this is why Leo requires a human counterpart in his mission of delivering vaccines. I think that was a little bit of a plot hole, for sure, right? In terms of, like, arriving at a new military base and then not being given much information on what his new duties were going to be. Right. Because if he had a proper briefing about what his duties are and what his role is in this relationship, the movie falls apart. It wouldn't play out this way. He couldn't have been as easily manipulated as he actually was. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But other than that, I mean, like the other movie that does this really well, obviously, is Ex Machina. It's another film that has to deal with AI and artificial intelligence. It's a very different movie, obviously, from Outside the Wire. But it kind of illustrated the same point, which was that an AI will use humans for whatever their goals are going to be, which is, you know, just terrifying in a way. But this is exactly what was happening in this film, which I, again, I really liked that Leo had a mission and he was going to accomplish it and he needed to use people in different ways to get there. I mean, look at all the relationships he formed with what would be considered the, quote, enemy. Now, I actually kind of want to touch base on that because this is actually a rather unique take on the rogue AI trope, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very common with any sci-fi. They have the 
AI develops, AI becomes self-aware, AI looks at its overall mission of protecting humanity or ensuring world peace, and comes to the conclusion, humanity is the problem and humanity needs to then be stopped, and then all of a sudden it's the robot-human apocalypse. Yep, Ultron, Terminator. Exactly. Classic examples of that. This is an interesting take where it is the opposite of that. He looks at his mandate, he looks at what his purpose is, and his conclusion Mm -hmm. isn't to eliminate humans from the equation. His conclusion is to eliminate the AI, the artificial self, from the equation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. And it's not simply like he could just simply shut down or refuse orders. He needed to make sure he shut it down in a way that made humans second guess any further development along this production. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That is one part that I really liked. Yeah, you're right. And and I think that that is what makes this movie a worthwhile experience is because of that, because of its different take on artificial intelligence than we typically see. Again, even Ex Machina doesn't have the same take on artificial intelligence, which is why I really appreciated that movie, because it was a very different take on artificial intelligence from any other movies before that. But this being an action film, right, this being a movie that when you put it in uh, AI film categories, it's closer to a Terminator film than any other AI film, right? In terms of it being an action. Yeah, I mean, they could easily have taken this in the same direction as the Terminator franchise, where Leo becomes the launch of Skynet functionally. Exactly. But they took it in the different direction, which was unexpected Mm -hmm. and new. So it's a new take on an old trope, which works out great for me. Yeah, no, you're right. It absolutely is a really good change. And it's really good to see this because like you said, oftentimes AI is always the enemy and it's never self-sacrificing, right? It always wants to take over and do whatever it needs to do in order to fulfill its mandate. I mean, the Matrix is another one, right? (laughs) But in a much larger scale, right? And it's very similar. Like another common or famous artificial intelligence sci-fi is Isaac Asimov, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where he always actually really hated the robot apocalypse trope and believed, well, if humans created the robots, they're going to make sure there's a way for robots not to take over humanity or attack humanity. And that's where he came up with his three laws. And this kind of took that similar lesson Mm -hmm. without just copying the three laws, because obviously, how do you have a artificial soldier if you can't harm humans? They did actually try to adjust how humans would approach it to make sure they stayed in control with the mandate of he needs a human to oversee his orders, even if he is directing the humans to do what he wants them to do. Right. As far as the writing and how they thought things out, overall, I thought it was actually fairly well prepared and grouped together. Yeah, I think that some of the aspects of the writing felt a little disjointed. But for the most part, I think that the progression and the journey of Leo and Harp as they move forward in their mission, right, to destroy this program, I think that was overall done pretty well. I think, again, there are certain plot holes here and there, specifically right before all of this is unfolded. There's a few holes here and there, right? And even sometimes with the logic, right, of of some of these decisions that were made. Again, it helps and it serves that they have this paradox included in here, right? Mm-hmm. So that they kind of detracts or distracts people from doing that. And you can rationalize some of the other stuff based on that paradox, which again, that's a smart thing to put in there, you know, when you think about it, mm-hmm. right? Because otherwise, if you didn't put that paradox in there, the writing would have felt actually a little bit more weak 
again, based on the relationship between Leo and Harp. With the Paradox of Command, it created a interesting conflict of how he's being manipulated, and I thought they did a fairly well job in the overall reveal as he flashes back to all the commands that Leo gave Harp to realize Mm -hmm. this is exactly how I was manipulated into this situation. Right. But overall, war story, action film, more than anything else. I mean, they had their slowdown points where they gave the exposition, but it relied pretty heavily on the action from the beginning as they're showing the difference between a drone pilot and a boots-on-the-ground Marines. Yeah. And kind of carried that action forward throughout this film. What's your overall thought on how the action was portrayed for this film? I think that the action overall felt a little bit different also from the actions that we come to expect out of other films. You know, like we have seen, for example, a bunch of other action films like Extraction is the other movie that comes to mind that is more closely matches the action of this film or at least another movie that could be compared to, which is funny because that's also Chris Hemsworth, which is also in the (laughs) MCU, and now we have Mackie and Hemsworth in similar movies. But even then, like when you compare Outside the Wire to Extraction, the action sequences were vastly different in these two films. And I felt like Extraction was trying to be more stylized, and I felt like Outside the Wire was not quite as stylized in the action for the battle sequences and stuff. See, I like the fact that you brought up Extraction, because when I was watching this movie, I couldn't help but compare this Netflix original action movie to Extraction, which is, mm-hmm. again, also a Netflix original, also featuring a actor from the MCU. So mm-hmm. the fact that they were kind of compared to each other, I think it's just because of those two connections, not significant connections as far as production or the directing of the movies. But mm-hmm. in the back of your mind, this connection between these two movies. Overall, I felt like somehow the action felt maybe a little bit more real, a little bit more gritty, a little bit more grounded, effective for carrying the story forward than yeah. the action in Extraction. Because, again, as you said, Extraction was very stylish. They were specifically going for that long single take cutscene and mm-hmm. they set that up. Yeah. Sometimes they would jump back into action and extraction mm-hmm. at points when it seemed like the action should have already been ended and they should have had a break. Yeah. This was a lot more the action is the next step of the story, keep moving it forward. It all plays in, it all kind of connects. So mm-hmm. overall, I enjoyed the action in this one better than I did for Chris Hemsworth in Extraction. Extraction. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's a little bit more grounded in terms of like the action sequences that we get to see here, especially considering the fact that this was an AI, you know, a super android soldier, right? Yep. I thought that we were going to see a lot more fantastical over-the-top sequences, which, don't get me wrong, it's not like we didn't see some of those because some of them did happen, but not quite to the degree that I was expecting. Yeah, I was expecting a lot more stylized action, but yeah, it was a lot more grounded. Probably my favorite action scene is the one where he takes out all of VK's men single-handedly. Yeah. That was well done. It kind of fit that super soldier ideal of what you expect. Mm-hmm. Which then kind of gives me the one question of why didn't he have the same efficiency and the same over the top power throughout the rest of it? Yeah. Like right at the beginning 
when they had that conflict, rather than him fighting or using those abilities, they decided to run away from the conflict area, right? Mm -hmm. In that first shooting that happened. I mean, they showed more of the computer efficiency in the Gumps in the early part of the Mm -hmm. movie than what they showed for Leo. Yeah. For example, and this is one scene that I thought was kind of ridiculous, where they are in front of the bank holding a bunch of hostages to try and get out. One of the Gumps makes the targeted decision that it can snipe the head person holding the hostage to set her free perfect computer accuracy computer efficiency flawless strike right yep all the hostages now start running and so all these guys are on the bank steps without any cover being attacked Mm -hmm. by these computer robots trying to you know fight them off this one guy instead of continuing to fight off these robots that are shooting at him sees a couple hostages running away and thinks you know what i'm going to stop trying to fight for my life i'm not going to die for cover i'm going to take a good 30 seconds to shoot a couple innocent people sitting there yep (laughs) (laughs) what's this about come on a later scene when harp is trying to get some of the hostages undercover and to move them away and a woman gets hit by crossfire that made sense to add that you know the innocents are going to get caught in between but the guy stopping to attacking the actual threat to purposely shoot some innocents in the back i'm like what sense does that make man Why, why would you do that yeah that doesn't really make any sense and to be honest it's not a very realistic thing because if you're in a gunfire situation, which I hope I never will be, but if you're under any kind of threat, what we do as human beings is we don't divert our focus away from threats. Right. We focus on the threat and then we engage the threat if we need to or run away. <laughs> right. Like that's what we do. Anytime there's a threat or anytime you're concerned about your own safety, the first thing you do is you look for where the safety points are. Get behind a cement barricade, get behind a desk, get behind a wall, whatever the case may be. You look for that yeah. safety point to then address do I fight or do I try and flight? Exactly. So that reaction of here's this robot shooting at me and I could potentially die any second now to oh here are these people why don't i just turn around and shoot them (laughs) and it completely ignored this threat behind me (laughs) like no that doesn't make any sense (laughs) so again i understand why the director put it in because they're trying to show the innocent civilian casualties of war when a war is taking place literally in the streets but that was better handled in a later scene in the same firefight than in that particular scene yeah i feel like that was a completely unnecessary scene i don't think that it really added to the story or anything i think it was more just for shock factor right Right. and scenes that do that kind of stuff or movies that have those kinds of things just for shock factor i'm like you miss me with that this is not something that i appreciate or that i value in films i don't like things for the shock factor i want those things to serve a purpose for for the greater narrative of the film but i felt like that scene completely missed it absolutely have we talked about the the plan of the resistance though the local people that are kind of fighting against vk yeah what were they trying to do at the end the plot of the movie wasn't about that resistance right it was about ending the super soldier android program but that part of it felt like it was supposed to be significant but it didn't feel like it was yeah i think that was the least defined aspect where like all right so leo at some point made contact with this resistance group Mm -hmm. and through that resistance group he also somehow made contact with the vk uh, extremists 
since we know he couldn't act without a human counterpart, somehow before all of this, he made all these connections without his human counterpart raising any red flags about him basically making a connection and promising to work for all three factions in this war. Yeah. Convince them that he was doing all of this so that he could give the resistance the nuke codes so that the resistance could then say, hey, we now have a nuclear deterrent. Everyone back off or we will use it. Yeah. It was just given the mandate and the fact that this seemed like the first time he was able to successfully manipulate his human handler to get off of his mandate. It just that none of that made a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, you're right. I think that was another plot hole with him establishing all of these relationships without a human handler, right? Like that was a little like, how did he do that? How did he accomplish that? Was he able to do that through more covert ways? Or was it all over the phone or online or something where he was communicating with his people, establishing these connections? Because you're right. I mean, it seems like he needed harp for to do a lot of this stuff. And these are pretty significant relationships that he had to establish because he had to gain their trust i mean to them he is the enemy right so to go about you know creating or forming these relationships with the enemy yeah how do he do that (laughs) (laughs) although i did kind of get the impression that he had formed some kind of relationships when he does that whole messiah i will drop my gun and go before you to stop this conflict from initially starting with the Mm -hmm. militia that was looking for aid you know food and medicine which i think also kind of illustrated again just the ability for leo to read the situation and understand human behavior right for me it was a red flag going wait these people know who this guy is you think i didn't think so i didn't think that it was that right from the beginning that that was like my first red flag that he was playing both sides just the fact that it's like yeah i i don't believe that this is would work this is a show he's putting on oh in order to maintain his his cover yeah it's like this is a show he's putting on to maintain some sort of cover or some sort of double agent status that that's what it came out at me right away Hmm. okay you know, that's a really good point. I think that you're right. I mean, looking at it from that perspective or from that point, yeah, I think I can see it. I can see that being the case of him establishing all of this connection. But at the same time, though, you could argue that were those people relevant to his plan? So, I mean, they could have just engaged them and mm-hmm. I'm sure that their forces could have won. But again, it's it's desire to avoid conflict, right? That's kind of what he did in a lot of situations where he avoided conflict rather than trying to trying to fight his way through, which he could right. have he could have done. I mean, especially as dictated in the towards the end of the film. Speaking of the end of the film, when did Harp suddenly become an Olympic level runner? <laughs> Yeah, he ran for a long time. <laughs> well, not so much a long time. It, he had very little time, but he ran a incredible distance in a very oh, little yeah. amount of time. When the when the silo was going to explode? If a normal human could run out of the danger zone after IDing yeah. the target, Leo was there to get to safety, then so could have Leo, which means your missiles aren't going very fast and are not very effective means of hitting a target that's been confirmed. <laughs> because he did confirm that Leo was damaged and down. Yeah, he didn't. That's the thing. He didn't confirm that. Also, how much time did Leo have? Less than eight seconds to go before the launch of the nuclear strike and managed to take the facility down before the actual nuclear strike started. 
Yeah. So in less than eight seconds, he was able to completely clear the blast radius of that facility and of those missiles, <laughs> which you also see him having to go up several levels of stairs in order to reach the exit to get out. You know what I think happened here? J. I J. think Abrams the writers... And- <laughs> I think, yep. <laughs> <laughs> the writers asked J.J. Abrams for some advice on how to get him out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. The writers consulted with J.J. Abrams. So, J.J., we have like eight seconds here. Well, how, how would you do this? Well, first of all, he needs to take a trip to Paris. All right? <laughs> and... <laughs> So that he can learn from a trainer there on how to properly run. And then he has to come back and then run for the next six seconds. It's like, okay, so he has eight seconds to get out. How do we do this? Okay, well, what you do, you have him hop on a flight, go talk to Usain Bolt. (laughs) (laughs) Train under Usain Bolt. And then he has to fly back and then escape. That's how he does it. <laughs> J.J. Abrams coming to the rescue. Yeah, if you have a problem, if you if you have very little time in your movie to do something, just consult J.J. Abrams. He will figure it out for you. Because <laughs> that's definitely time what happened matter. here. I mean, one second he was next to Leo, and the next second he was outside. <laughs> yeah, so with that, Nathan, should we jump into a TLDL? Too long, didn't listen. All right, this is a section where we give you your closing or final thoughts on the movie or TV series that we're discussing. So, Nathan... Outside the Wire, TLDL. Overall, the movie does have some plot holes and some aspects that were not properly or fully developed as I would prefer them in a movie to give it my highest praise. But overall, if you like war-based action movies, this does satisfy that itch. If you like the five minutes into the future sci-fis where they talk about or examine where we might be in the near future, this one kind of fits in. It seems logical. And overall, I enjoyed the fact that it was a new, rather unique take on the cautionary tale of relying on artificial intelligence and synthetic life for our war efforts. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I think that this movie doesn't have the strongest script, right? It doesn't have the strongest anything. But honestly, I think that it where, where it delivers is in the performances, for sure. I mean, Anthony Mackie is a terrific actor. And of course, Dan Sanidris, who who played Harp, also does a, a really good job. The cast is small, right? So that's so that I think I think that helps a lot in movies like this. I think that the setting and everything was good in terms of it feeling more of a personal, intimate story amidst this big conflict. So from that perspective, and then add to it what you said, Nathan, which is the new take on artificial intelligence, right? Not following on the footsteps of what so many movies and so many writers have done in the past and just creating a different take on that. I appreciate it. It was refreshing to see that. And the action, of course, was very grounded. It wasn't highly stylized like it, like it was on, on Extraction. So I think that also helped ground this movie a little bit more. So yeah, I think that this movie deserves a watch just for, again, if you're into sci-fi, war, AI, and conflict and all that kind of stuff, if you're into that, you're going to like this movie for sure. It's going to be a, a fun entry into that. And with that, Dan, kind of a final thought for you. Anthony Mackie is obviously most well-known currently as the Falcon from the MCU, where he has always played second fiddle. He's always been a supporting role. He's always been a sidekick in all of his MCU appearances. Yeah. This has been a good time to see him as a lead actor driving a movie forward. Does this make you any more excited to see Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Oh, yeah. I mean... Let's not forget that he also played the lead in Alter Carbon Season 2, which also got me really excited 
for it. So yeah, absolutely. I think that Anthony Mackie needs to have more leading roles and I definitely want to see more of that. And hey, if you agree with me or disagree with me in Anthony Mackie taking on more leading roles, definitely let us know by hitting us up on Facebook at Streaming Thoughts and on Twitter at Streaming Geek. This has been Nathan. And this has been Daniel. Thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) Cut the check. Yes, cut the check. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.